Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I speak with Anna Cheruti. Anna is the newest member of the TEC coaching team. Uh, she's originally from Italy, uh, now resides uh, in the mountains of California. And um, we had the greatest conversation. I, I'm so excited that I was finally able to sit down with Anna and, uh, and record uh, a conversation um, to be able to share with our listeners. Uh, Anna's bringing uh, a depth of experiences, knowledge, and insight that, um, that I think is, uh, is really special. It's really unique. And, uh, and we had so many great things to talk about. Um, we cover a ton in this episode. Uh, it is worth uh, listening from start to finish, for sure. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of, um, a lot of tangents, a lot of areas that we, that we dive into as we kind of let the conversation um, uh, take the lead. And a lot of things I was interested to uh, unpack a little further as Anna tapped into some things that I thought were really, really fascinating. But a few of the highlights are uh, talking about athletic identity. Uh, Anna comes from uh, a background on a horse farm in Italy and riding horses uh, all the way through mountain climbing, um, mountaineering, uh, multi-sport, cross-country skiing. Uh, the list goes on. So how she maintained an athletic identity, uh, a sustainable and productive focus on, uh, on herself as an athlete through all those different disciplines. Um, we talk about um, how to use those transitions uh, through different disciplines and the value of experimenting with different types of sports and how that can help you towards your goals. Um, talk about personal identification um, and a social identity and how that blends with our athletic identity. Um, where we kind of launch into from that is uh, talking about satisfaction, talking about ego, a huge word, lots of weight there, only three letters, but the ego um, really uh, carries a lot of weight. And uh, so we dive into that. Um, and we talk about burnout and how that could be linked to ego. And then lastly, uh, Anna walks us through visualization um, and how she can uh, use that or has used that to help uh, both herself and her athletes uh, reach their goal and some really uh, interesting science and some interesting approaches um, with the vis- visualization piece. So uh, again, jam-packed. Uh, it's worth sitting down um, and uh, pouring yourself a cup of coffee and, uh, and have a listen. Um, again, uh, Thomas Endurance Coaching dot com for everything that we talk about on the uh, on the podcast for more resources resources uh, if you want to talk to Anna uh, you can reach her uh, on our website and uh, so thanks again please enjoy my conversation with Anna before we get started with this week's episode I'm so excited to announce that we're welcoming Inside Tracker as our first official sponsor to the podcast. As I've talked about at length on the show, my passion is helping other individuals discover the tools, resources, and relationships they need to reach their full potential. It's about more than just getting fit or being in shape for one race. It's about realizing the value in the lifetime pursuit of dedicating yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. So when you do what you love, whether it's running, riding your bike, racing, or just enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. That's where Inside Tracker can help. 
As a lifelong athlete who's done everything under the sun, I've gotten blood work done many, many times over the years, and it's always provided critical information. Even when I was feeling great and training hard, my blood work has uncovered critical deficits such as low vitamin D and elevated iron. So despite how your training is going or how you're feeling, Inside Tracker helps to uncover specific, individual, and actionable insights that allow you to not only perform better, but feel better and be healthier. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way, towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So for a limited time, endurance-minded listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just visit info.insidetracker.com slash endurance-minded and enter your name at the bottom of the page to take advantage of your 25% discount. Being an athlete is about more than just completing the right workouts. So visit info.insidetracker.com slash endurance-minded today to start taking a proactive approach to understanding what your body needs to perform better and live longer. Hey, Anna. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Taylor. I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm great. Um, so uh, let's uh, we'll kick things off. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us, uh, tell us who you are, and uh, we can uh, we can go from there. Okay. Um, well, um, I'm. My name is Anna Ceruti. Um, just so you know how you pronounce it. And um, uh, I'm one of the TEC coaches, and uh, I just started not long ago uh, working with TEC, but I'm really happy about it. And uh, I'm originally from Italy. Um, I lived in California for about 10 years now. Um, What else? Well, uh, I have a background in nutrition. That was my uh, study. Uh, at school, uh, I studied at the University of Milan, and then um, I moved to California, and I'm always been very active and athletic and into sports, and I started uh, teaching and coaching cross-country skiing, uh, and that kind of got the coaching uh, thing going <laughs> for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so you... Uh... <clears throat> You have a, a pretty deep, uh, pretty deep background in uh, in lots of different uh, lots of different sports, uh, which I think is is super cool. I, I can uh, I can identify with that. I've I've never been able to uh, to stay you know true to one particular discipline. I like lots of different things. Um, where uh, where where did you where did you start? Um, and where where are you at now? Run us through kind of what what sparked okay. your passion for uh, for you know from from an early age to to where you're at now. It's going to take a few minutes. <laughs> uh, so uh, my very, very beginning, uh, I grew up horseback riding. Uh, my family had stables. So I had 14 horses and a half. One was a pony. <laughs> and um, uh, so that is kind of what I started doing. And while I was horseback riding, you know, swimming lessons, ski courses during the winter, um, 
I uh, was never in a proper team, uh, but I always wanted to. My mom never let me. Um, but it was good because it was an opportunity to just get to try different things. Um, and that was kind of the idea. Uh, I found out pretty right away that team sports, like my hand-high coordination is not very good. <laughs> so <laughs> basketball or all that is just not for me. And that was out of the way, but skiing has always been a passion. And um, I actually uh, then got like deeper into uh just my dedication to sports when I started rock climbing and that was already my late teens and um that has been a trip uh well it's what brought me here to the states so that was good and um has been just many many years uh from you know cragging just trying your hardest pitch and try your best uh, to work a project out uh, to mountaineering and just long, uh, cold days, <laughs> ice climbing. I know, I know all about um, this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was really good. And then I kind of moved away from it uh, for many reasons. Uh, I kind of you know, few accidents with friends that got me a little less enthusiastic about some aspects of the sport. And, and I just wanted to try something different. I did paragliding for a couple of years, but not quite my thing. I rather to have my feet on the ground <laughs> or my hands attached to something. Uh, <laughs> and um, so then triathlons were really uh, my thing. Like I started uh started with triathlons properly i did biking before that but i never really liked biking itself specifically and triathlons being what kind of got me into uh biking <laughs> yeah nice. and um yeah and so you know with that running i got back swimming which was awesome because the swimming for me is always I don't know. I always, when I'm in the water, I feel like a toddler every single time. Um, so it feels really good. And, um, and then the skiing, I'm lucky. Well, I kind of wanted to live here, uh, in the mountains. Uh, it's not just out of luck. Um, but I, so I live in Mammoth Lakes and, you know, I just drive five minutes and get on the slopes and we have good cross country ski trails. We have great backcountry. Um, so plenty living, of fun to have <laughs> living, living the dream. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you really live the dream when for your work, you have to go ski. <laughs> right. I know. What a, what a shame. And right. People, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh man, I have to go training with the team today. Well, I guess I'll ski two hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor me. <laughs> Poor me. Um, <laughs> well, poor me in the sense that sometimes it makes me harder to actually train for myself because I get tired of all the things that I get with right. the others. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you put that yeah. much kind of time and energy and dedication into something, it can be hard to like carve out time for yourself and your own goals. And um, you know, that's that's, that's a little bit juggle. of a, right. It can be like a classic conundrum, I think, for coaches in general, right? Like we. You spend you spend all your time kind of pouring yeah. yourself into your the athletes that you work with, and ironically enough, it can detract from 
you know, how much time we put into our own goals. (laughs) Um, so you, with all that background in lots of different types of sports from, you know, horseback riding, swimming as a kid, rock climbing, you know, you're, and there's lots of different, those are all very different, uh, types of disciplines, right? Like where, you know, rock climbing or mountaineering can be, you know, very, um, uh, you know, it's a much different endeavor. It takes a much different mental focus, um, much different type of training than like multi-sport, you know, more kind of quote unquote traditional endurance sports like triathlon or running or, or even cross country skiing. Oh yeah. So how do you, how do you navigate, um, staying excited and staying engaged in all those different types of sports? I feel like that's something that a lot of athletes can be hesitant to do, right? They're like, Oh, I don't know if I should try this other thing because, um, because it's different, you know, how do I, what if I'm not good at it? Um, you know, how do I prepare for it? So yeah, like walk us through just kind of how that, cause that's, that's a, th- there's a lot of transitions in, in there. Of course it's taken, you know, your entire life, but, um, yeah, what's that looked and felt like for you kind of from a, you know, more of a, like an athletic identity perspective, how'd you stay excited and engaged through all those disciplines? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, you know, um, you, I think there's many factors and some are very personal and some come from the environment, right? We, um, we, but I always want to focus on the ones that come from inside, right? I, I think about the environment once when I am working with my athletes and I'm providing those environment factors to them. <laughs> right, right. But they have to do their own part and I have to do my own part as an athlete myself uh, for that. And it definitely is difficult, right? Because we tend to identify a lot with what we do. And so, you know, uh, what do you do? Oh, I do triathlons. Oh, I rock climb. And there are very different things to see yourself as and just that create your own uh, identity and how you see people seeing you so um it's definitely something that is not easy and there is always some up and downs but i think that in general for me personally has always been that um i see like the process is the win for me it's never been uh the win is the win <laughs> Right. So uh, being like the process as the win, yes, there are different sports, but they're all like movement and strength and personal, uh, pushing your personal limits. Uh, that's like a commune factor across uh, them all. And so I don't see that much difference, uh, f- like psychologically for me to get into them. Um so that's always been something. Uh, and there's a lot to say to um, gain that you learn from one sport that you can then translate to another. Um, you know, that if you were just doing something specific, you're not uh, necessarily seeing other aspects or other techniques that you're getting from something else. Um, and... Um, yeah, they talk about the athletic, uh, the athlete, um, yeah, the athletic uh, identity is just, um, um, so my, my thing is this, we have many identities, right? Like if I ask you, Taylor, what do you do? What do you say first? What comes to mind? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it probably depends on the day and the scenario, you know. <laughs> I think, and I you brought up a good question. Like it's it's it kind of depends on or what I got. What I started thinking about was like it. It kind of depends on who you're around, right? Like you build your social circles and groups of friends and peers around. The, so often, like as an athlete, you're like, oh, I I'm gonna go hang out with my skier friends, or I'm gonna go hang out with my rock climbing friends, or my running friends, or yeah. and so if when you're in those circles you're going to answer based on like who you're around, right? Like if like, Oh, what do you do? You're like, Oh, you know, if, if I'm with my, if I'm with my like trail running friends, I'm like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a trail runner, you know, and I, I coach athletes and I, you know, but if I'm, if I'm, you know, talking to, you know, business partners or something, I'm, I'm somebody else, right. I might lead with a different identity. That's not necessarily athletic. It might be more, you know, entrepreneur based or something like that. So yeah, it's, I think that's a great, it's a great point. Like I, we get really stuck in, in like being this one thing and we're probably lots of different things depending on the circumstances and, and, and yeah, what and we're doing. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Definition. Because when we talk, uh, like if you go in, you know, studies that there are people that study this, right. Because it's a big factor for athletics and sports and success. So, uh, as coaches, we want to be aware of all these aspects and it's something that is fascinating. Uh, so I've always been kind of curious about reading, uh, things about it. And, uh, the athletic identity is one of our identities, but everyone is many more things, right? I'm a daughter, I'm a partner, I'm a friend, uh, I'm a coach, uh, I'm an athlete, right? So um, the way that these identities kind of work together in your head uh, plays a role on how much you're going to see yourself uh, or how hard it's going to be to do a transition, you know? And the same thing, if you think about it, it happens with, with work, right? You, uh, I mean, I worked as a dietitian when I was in Italy, right? And now I'm working as a coach. So uh, I, that too is very different, right? I mean, work environment, what do you do? Oh, I'm a dietitian. And now I still am a dietitian because that knowledge doesn't go away, right? And I use it routinely for my coaching too. Uh, you know, it happens to work out that I still need it. But, uh, but I don't define myself as a dietitian anymore or as a nutritionist, you know, because that's not my main focus so um it's kind of the same uh the same thing you know the approach on how we merge these identities together really has a big impact on how we deal uh with these transitions and changes and um so to kind of widen it up um a little more uh, another uh, aspect that really impacts the way that an athlete kind of interacts with its sport, uh, besides the degree uh, uh, of which it like on how much he had he or her uh, or she had identify herself or himself with the sport, is also the satisfaction that an athlete gets from the sport, right? Because um, like, you know, if you're, let's say that you're a multi-sport athlete, you're a triathlete, right? You swim, you run, and you bike. Well, I have a lot of clients that, not a lot, but some clients sometimes it's funny. Oh, I'm a runner, but they're training for a triathlon, you know, because they really don't like swimming. <laughs> they're doing it just because they want to do triathlons too, right? So you see kind of the 
the you know conundrum there uh one wants to do something but you don't identify yourself as that or the other thing that i see a lot and i don't know if that happens to you too but uh, it definitely happens to me when i'm talking to clients or potential clients the first uh, few contacts and i refer to them as athletes and they all go oh well but i'm not an athlete and i'm like well if you're not an athlete why are you looking for a coach <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, what what do you think right? it is like? Well, yeah, like why? Yeah, that's something that I I think a ton about because I I think that the definition for an athlete, you know, can stand in general to be broadened. You know, I we run into that a lot, right? In, in this industry and yeah. as coaches, what do you? So what's so what's your definition of an athlete? You know, maybe we start there, like because I think that's that probably. You know, well, that dictates like if how- you, yeah. I mean, our shirt says it, right? <laughs> right, here. right, yeah. That's uh, that. That was that was our attempt to capture a broader, you know, to start to get that conversation started at least. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Uh, no, and I totally agree. You know, like he just says, anyone dedicated to moving their body, and that's a really broad definition. But I agree. Like. I think that the first thing that you have to look at is uh, some people think of athletes and look at professionals, but you can be an amateur and still be an athlete, right? That's not our job, but I'm still dedicated to what I'm doing. So, uh, so then you are, and it doesn't even depend on if you train one times a week or five days a week, like that doesn't matter. It's like what, how you identify yourself right so how much you identify with what you're doing and um the um so in in all uh in all the studies about athletic identity and the impact on uh, success for athletes and just the ability of continuing into sports um they divided uh the athletic identity into three factors and one they call a uh, social identity um the other they call negative affectivity and the third one is exclusivity so social identity is how we see ourselves and how uh how we see ourselves as you know, many things that we are and as athletes, because we're talking about athletic identity, uh, but also how we see ourselves in others' eyes. So it's not how others see us, but what we think that others think of us. And that's kind of comes back to what you were talking, right? I'm with my runner's friends. I'm a runner because they see me as a runner. I'm with my coach's friends. I'm a coach. I'm with my biking group i'm a biker right Right, yeah so uh that plays in that way and the social identity is really positive into creating your athletic identity right because um we need to see ourselves as athlete we need to want it right that's kind of where everything starts um the negative affectivity is a different concept and is a little uh maybe complicated to grasp uh but it's a positive concept and the concept is the is the fact that like is how much one's worries uh about like poor performance or not be be able able to fulfill uh his uh uh his goals as an athlete and 
you can see it as negative, but it really is positive. It can be positive in the sense that, um, you know, I worry about not being able to fulfill my athletic role. So I fear injuring. So I don't go going crazy in something or sometimes I hold it back a little, right? It is positive in the sense that it still contributes to our uh, overall uh, success in sport, right? We need a little bit of that. Um, the exclusivity in the other, on the other hand, it's very negative. So if we focus, if you want to see ourselves as, oh, I'm a triathlete and you just see that, but then you know that you're not going to make a podium or you're not, uh, you know, uh, you're not going to the Olympics. Like I'm not going to the Olympics. Right. <laughs> so, um, then you kind of don't see yourself as an athlete, like your athletic identity kind of drops, right? That kind of brings you away. And also when you're talking about uh, exclusivity is really where we can, um, is where the burnout comes out, comes from, right? If we are training too much, is we're focusing too much too much attention. We can even not be training too much and still get and still get burnout because in that time our focus is more exclusive for some reason, and it gets like too much. At some point, it's too much. Uh, so that is definitely a negative, right? Um, we uh, react negatively to injuries or some or you know which I mean an injury is not a good thing anytime, but it can also be a chance to work on something different that we still need, right? Uh, so um, we can get positive out of that too. Uh, our you know work or school or they resent of that because if we're too focused on one thing, the rest kind of suffers. Um, and then the big one, which is one that I always struggle with my uh, young athletes above all, but uh, adults uh, have that too, is the ego. <laughs> right. The big word. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's only three letters, but it's huge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How do we, yeah. uh, how do you, man, there's, there's so, there's so many great, uh, things to unpack in, in those, you know, few points. Um, how, how do we, so how do we as coaches, cause I think you nailed it. You know, you get the idea that specifically with like burnout and exclusivity, this idea that, uh, that burnout can only come if you're doing, if you're doing like as much as you can possibly do, but there's, we see it happen more often I've seen it happen with athletes who, um, who are, you know, not professionals, not, not training, you know, you put quotes there, but you know, not, not working out, not training, you know, the maximum amount of days a week, but mentally they've, they've got so much energy wrapped up in trying to, to, to be this person, be a, like you said, you know, be a triathlete, be a runner, whatever the discipline is. Yeah. How do we as coaches help people navigate that? You know, because athletes, there's always this juxtaposition. And it's one of the things that makes athletes so great is they want to pour themselves into their sport, right? They're they're by nature, very mm -hmm. dedicated, very committed, very focused. Yeah. 
but that could that can come at a cost where you could be too much of that stuff and like you're saying with this exclusivity kind of blinders on so how do we help athletes be focused be committed reach their goals and also have some other identities or figure out how to blend that cuz i that that feels that's always a very challenging conversation to have, I feel like, with athletes because they're like, no, I'm all in. I'm like, I appreciate that, but th- there has to be some other layers here or you're, it's never going to be sustainable. So I don't know. What, right. what, what is, how, do we, how do we get there? What are some tools that you've used to help people try to, try to you know, have different, yeah. uh, a more su- a successful and sustainable version of, of that? Yeah, I think that um... – like one of the main thing as a coach for me is that I see my role into helping an athlete to fit uh, their training into their lives and not the other way around. So your life is what it is. And it's true. We are going to make some uh, compromises to take some extra time to go for a long ride one day or whatever it is, right? But uh, Or to travel and instead of going vacation, I'm going to my destination for my race, right? Those are all compromises that we do. But the important thing to me is that on the daily basis, the training goes around life and not the other way around. Uh, because if our social interactions start suffering too much, then we get into this, oh, I don't have time for my friends. I don't have time to uh, do this. I don't have time to do that. And we kind of narrow our view into this exclusivity where all the all, all the satisfaction that we get is just out of this one identity that we want really bad and it's good that we want it, (laughs) but we need to balance it. Right. Uh, And even like, even Olympians need to balance it. You know, even if you're training for the Olympics, of course, the compromises that they make are different than the compromises that I make, but, um, but they still need balance because no one can just leave out of one single identity they're still you know you're training for the olympics great you're still a husband or a wife a father a son a daughter uh a mother um you know uh maybe they don't have another job identity because that's their job but uh but you still are other things right so those cannot be excluded entirely you need to find a balance so like I, you know, to answer your question, the the work that I try to do is to set realistic expectations for once. Like I always tend to start kind of slowing the athlete down, and then we can pick it up as we see what we can manage. But um, like, oh yeah, I can train six days a week. Well, okay, I give you five. <laughs> right. Yeah. And maybe it's an open day. You know, that's a start because sometimes. Even five are too many because people really want it so bad that they say, oh, I can do that. And then maybe not really, you know. And then if that happens, then we get all frustrated because we're not doing what we decided we were going to do. And that just kind of goes down the spiral. Yeah. 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 I've always uh, I've always said, you know, specific to, to yeah. coaching. Uh, a coach's job is really to pull back on the reins, right? It's our job to to yeah. understand how to help that athlete control their 
uh, commitment or, or temper that excitement over the course of their lifetime, right? Like if you just, if you pour, totally. if you pour it all in out of the gate, then, then you might not have much left to give, you know, several years from now or a decade from now or, or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, I want to go back to, cause I think I want to go back to the, like the social identity piece. Cause that's something I thought was really interesting. And I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've, necessarily thought uh about it in that way like this like how we blend like the personal identity versus the the social identity piece and like who we surround ourselves with I just think that's super interesting you know how do we like what's the value in in diversifying that you know so I feel you know so often as as as, as anybody I guess but because we're talking about athletes and this is the world we live in. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our, our peer group, um, it's like we're, we so often can just be like immersed in, in, in athletics, right? Like we're, especially like Mm -hmm. people like me and you, like if you're a coach and then you're an athlete and, and then your friends are athlete, you know, it's like, it can be hard to, to, to branch out of that. I don't know. And then, So I guess my question is, or like, I want to get your thoughts on like, should we try to branch out of that? You know, should, should we have different circles or different ways that we can like diversify how we think about ourselves so that, so that we don't have all of our eggs in one basket, like all of our eggs, you know, our mental, emotional, physical energy, all wrapped up in, in us training for triathlon, right. Or whatever the sport is, or, or. Or if that's what we're passionate about, should like we, is it fine? Should should we just let it go? And that's all we talk about and think about. I, we train and I don't know. Yeah. I think we need a balance. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Between I, the I think, two, right? Yeah. I think it's hard for <laughs> people to find though. Like, I, don't, to, I don't know. Yeah, it's, right. You know, if you talk you to a lot of athletes. Rain back, you don't want to rein back the enthusiasm, but at the same time, there is a positive enthusiasm and there is a negative enthusiasm. And I kind of want to be- go back to that really short but really big word that is ego that I think plays a big role in these things because part of our of how why it is difficult sometimes to diversify our identities, those identities are there. Like, it's undeniable. Like, we all are sons or daughters, you know? We all are partners of someone else or friends with someone else and we have a job role like those identities are there and um we just need to see it maybe you know kind of Mm -hmm. point a finger on it uh and uh the problem in my opinion is when ego gets involved and so um it's not the, the amount of enthusiasm that one's that one has for uh the sport uh, but is how much ego is involved <laughs> yeah. attached to this identity, you know? And that's really worth for the social identities too, you know? Like if my ego plays a role in the relationship with my family, I probably wouldn't speak to any of them. <laughs> None of us probably would. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. because everything is a compromise. We probably will have really, really few friends and probably not even many acquaintances because <laughs> because we will get frustrated with too many people you know so so that's really what i try to fight with my athletes 
a little bit of ego is important because it gives us a little extra drive, right? But but it has to be healthy. And if this ego starts to drive your de- your decisions, is just like uh, is your motivator, then you're going to miss out because you know you can think it both as a team sports or an individual sport. And I I think of this like what I'm thinking right now is really like cross-country skiing and with my Nordic team and uh, they're young athletes. And so they're in their shaping uh, phase, right? This is going to be really important for how they will behave in the future about sports and about social life. And um, Nordic skiing, cross-country skiing is an individual sport, right? You go, I mean, you can do relays, but for the most part, you, you go and you race, right? It's like triathlons. But then we train together. We have a team. We train together on a daily basis. When we have races, we travel together. Now, if the athlete's ego is too big, then you want to see only your own success, right? You're focused on your own success and you don't see what others are doing, the hard job, the hard work that they're putting into their workouts, and you don't uh, you're not happy for them because you're just focused on what you did today. Well, that kind of makes you miss out in a lot of your social because those other athletes are not going to want to pump you up as much when comes the ter- your turn, you know, to be s- stimulated because you never do it with them. And he kind of like creates a detachment and that detachment is going to happen like you're going to bring it all the way to your races. You know, that that uh, that behavior, you're not going to drop it when you need it. It's there. And, uh, and when that behavior ends up all the way into a race, well, then that's really bad because for me, in my opinion, because, because, because there is no better way to race and be there and be excited for what everyone is doing and still wanting to do my best, but being happy for the best that the others are putting in. And if I'm there just thinking about myself and not about the others, then you get in those mental loops that is like, oh, I need to catch that guy. I decided that I want to beat him. And he took off and he is half a mile ahead of me and I have to go get him. Well, to do that, you're, if you play into your ego, you're going to go out way too fast like he did before. <laughs> and if you played your game, maybe he would have <laughs> give up halfway to the race because it bonks and you're going to pass him, you know? So ego is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, I just so much of what, you know, by nature, so much of endurance sports is, is so individual. And so you, like you said, you you know, you you have to be in your own head to some degree because that's what gets you, that's what, you know, delivers that motivation and that drive to do the work you need to do and to show up and stay consistent and stay dedicated. But it has to be, has to be for the right reasons. You know, I, I feel like that's where the ego piece, like, and you can, I've seen it with athletes, you know, and, and certainly with my own self, right? I think we all battle with this to some degree is like, oh, yeah. you can like see that shift. You're like, oh, I, I think I showed up for the wrong reasons, right? Or I think I'm doing this not because I really mm-hmm. want to, but because I, yeah, because my ego's in the way. And that goes back to like the satisfaction you were talking about, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. so how, yeah. how do we, how, 
how do we find that balance? To me, it feels like a balance between like ego and satisfaction, right? Like we need just enough ego to get us kind of moving or keep us excited or keep us engaged. But there is a tipping point where if it's too much ego, then you're not, you're not doing it for the right reasons. And it's, you're not doing it because it brings satisfaction. You're doing it because of your ego. So I don't know, like, have you struggled with that or your athletes and, and how do you find that balance? Cause it, it feels kind uh, of precarious. I did uh, maybe more as a kid and eventually I like my strategy, uh, self-made, no coach involved <laughs> has just become to, be the best cheerleader of everyone else on the field <laughs> and that pumping others up eventually pumps me up and that's kind of how you see that like applying in life in general you know you you don't want to be sad for success of someone else and you want everyone to do their best and beat their best and if you just have that attitude and that motivation for others it kind of falls back to you, you know? Um, and right. so like, if you see me on a triathlon, usually when I get to the run that you're, that, you know, I'm just tired and, uh, I, I'm the one that is yelling at everyone. Good job. Go right th like that. <laughs> looking good. Looking strong. <laughs> good, like good, people good look you. at me like, how do you have the air to do that? <laughs> no, no, I really don't. And that's why I need to do it. <laughs> Right. That's uh good for you. Yeah. I mean, if we could all be more like that, you know, I, I, uh, I try, but yeah, realistically, you know, I'd like to be more like that person. Um, but I, what's I don't know, you know, it's very, it's very selfish to a point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like sometimes know. I feel bad because I feel like everyone is like, oh, wow, this girl is like so awesome. She's cheering everyone up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm not doing this, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So that's the balance, right? That's the ego piece, like with the satisfaction, like you're doing a good job of finding yeah. your own, finding right. your own route to, to, to that balance. Um, what, totally. yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's, again, I, I think, I think the satisfaction piece is so important. So I want to lean into it a little more because I, I, I think, you know, as a, as a coach, my, my biggest concern is that, is that the execution, you know, towards an, an athlete's full potential is something that brings them joy, brings them satisfaction. It adds value to their life. You know, like that's why I yeah. continue to stay engaged in, in endurance sports is because it's something that, I can't yeah. imagine not not having as part of my life. But so we talked about satisfaction and ego. Like what role does the status, how do we, what does that look like if we look at it in relation to athletic identity? So to kind of bring it full circle yeah. where we started, how do we get that athletic identity piece and the satisfaction piece in the same pie or whatever? Uh, I feel like we need to define satisfaction. Yeah, great. I do too. I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, what, what, I want you to tell me because what, I'm, what, I'm, I'm still trying you, to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that would be fun. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah. How how do you what do you think about satisfaction? What do you see? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I I should have known. Be just a feeling. Yeah, I mean. 
you know, for me, satisfaction is when I think about satisfaction, it's something that is, uh, that's intrinsic, right? So like if I feel satisfied or if something's bringing me satisfaction, it's this kind of like pure joy, right? That it's, 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 Uh um, it's coming from a place that's like purely internal. The, the ego piece is probably removed, right? So it's, there's less of this extrinsic component and it's just like, it's, it's good because, because it's, it's good. Right. And it just, and it comes from like a place that's, that's, uh, that's solid and grounded. And again, like intrinsic. So I don't know, it's a little bit more, I guess those are like adjectives, but when I think about like satisfaction, it's more just kind of like a general feeling. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know. Is that good? Did I fail? Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) You know, satisfaction is also very personal, right? So everyone kind of takes something from different parts and it's always interesting to see. uh, Like, I'm sure that you you do this, you ask this question to your athletes in one form or another, you know, maybe it's more in the form of, you know, you're more process or outcome uh, oriented, right? Uh, That it's kind of you're asking what where they draw satisfaction from right so uh so that we know how to approach that athlete um so like you know if you want to think about satisfaction has um is like uh it comes from is a mix of met and unmet expectations right and the value that we place to begin with on those expectations, right? So you can see that um, an athlete that says, oh, I'm outcome, I just wanna win. I just wanna do that. I just wanna do that race. I uh, I don't care what I need to do to get there, right? Uh, well, their expectations are placed in the results, right? And they're not uh, too involved into the process. Uh, an athlete uh, that says, well, I want to learn this, I want to get faster, and then I have this race that I want to do well. That's more process-oriented, right? So you understand why the, where are they are putting their expectations. And so, uh, you know, our job as coaches is kind of help them meet their expectations. And also it's important to understand the value that they place in the in in each expectation because they might say that they want to do this but they say that they want to do that too and one of the two is higher on their scale on each on everyone's scale right so so then as a coach we need to understand that because you kind of want to place more uh higher bet in the higher valued expectation right right, right. <laughs> like focus more on that and, and of course in everything but uh you know sometimes you have to choose and then like we need to think about what satisfaction does to understand how to approach it too and so um you can think of if i like what outcomes come out of satisfaction if i'm satisfied you said it i feel happy right there is like a higher sense of well-being in general right uh our emotional problems problems usually lower because we're happy and so i'm not stressed out about the thing that happened yesterday right um our level of commitment into the sport rises 
That's why it's important as a coach to understand this, right? The intentions to quit or the chance that once you're doing a hard workout, you're going to say, whatever, I'm too tired, I'm going to stop, lowers. Because if you're drawing satisfaction from what you're doing, then you're going to do it, you know, even if it's hard. And uh, performance goes up for sure. That's a big one. <laughs> because when we're but when we're feeling good and feeling positive, the performance always gets better, even if we're not as trained. Um, and uh, and then we're just going to put more commitment into what we're doing in general. You know, like if I have to organize my life a little bit around going to this race or going to uh, this training session, I'll do it because I know that I'll be happy when I come back. So um, those are really important. And then what variables impact the satisfaction? Well, as we were saying, there are out, uh, external uh, external factors, right? Um, that I wanna think about as a coach because I drive some of them. Uh, like, you know, if you're part of a team or even if you're just working with a coach one-on-one, -on -one, you, you know, the, the leadership style, the qualities and behaviors of the coach, you know, if they match yours. If you're part of a team, the team cohesion, communication within the team with the coach and uh, um, just, you know, and, and then there's the undeniable one that is like, if you participate and if you're succeeding and what you're doing, of course, you draw uh, satisfaction from that too, but it shouldn't come just from that, right? And then the internal factor, the internal factors, um, those come from our uh, attitude toward uh, toward our uh, sports and toward our identity. So that's kind of where you know that exclusivity and social identity and negativity, negative negative affectivity come in place because those are the ones that help us driving, driving, uh, our athletic satisfaction eventually. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, you know, I've, I've, I've never really, I, I guess I should have, but I, that's, that's such a good point. Like I've never really connected the dots between satisfaction and, and expectations, you know, and I've, I've talked a lot about expectations like on this podcast and and other other areas, just this, you know, defining them, how you define them, how you can change them when they're not met. Um, and that's such a good point that, that, you know, if we want to understand what brings us satisfaction, it really has to start with, well, how do we, what are our expectations, right? And, and if, in, if those are yeah. or aren't met, that's going to leave us feeling more or less satisfied with, with every yeah. aspect of our sport, like you said, like the training, the, the, you know, performance, um, it, do we like as coaches do, what role do we play in helping athletes define those expectations? You know, cause I, so, you know, athletes, like they come to the table with expectations, right? They're like, I want to, like you said, like, I want to get faster. Maybe there's some process stuff in there. There's some outcome-based goals in there. There's a mix or, or depending on the individual and their identity. So how do we, you know, do we, do we just take those expectations and help them meet them? Or do we play a role in helping mold those expectations so that 
the athlete is, you know, maybe could be more successful or more satisfied would probably be the best way to describe that. I don't know. How, do, how does, well, what's your take on that? Yeah. The first thing that I think of is that expectations have to be uh, approachable, <laughs> realistic, right? Uh, I can come to you tomorrow, Taylor, and say, hey, would you train me? I want to get to the next Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you will start saying, well, <laughs> let me look at your data. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> right. I will do you again. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, yeah. so I think that the first step as a coach is really help athletes to set those expectations. And also you can think of expectations as like long-term expectations and then shorter term and daily expectations, right? Because if you think just of long-term expectations, so I have a race next July. Okay. That's quite a bit of time, right? Uh, and I'm never going to get satisfaction if my only goal uh, is that I want to finish that race or that I want to place in that race or whatever, you know? Um, so we need to have like a, like benchmarks along the way uh, that help uh, the athlete getting satisfaction from the work that they're doing. Uh, and so helping kind of giving this timeline and uh, goals that are reachable and uh um and and they're frequent you know and so like with the team uh a lot of times i ask the kids what they want to get out of today's practice you know and then at the end i ask them if they got it <laughs> yeah. that's just a really easy simple way you know that's that can be in any training session what do you want to get out of this you know oh i feel tired i want to see if my leg loosen up great. That's an expectations, you know, let's see what happens. Right. Or I want to do every repetition or every interval. I want it to have it a little faster up to the last uh, interval. Okay. Let's work on that, you know? And then when you reach it, well, you sweated and huffing and puffing and you're tired and, uh, but you know that you did it, or maybe you missed one or two, but overall they were faster, you know? So those are like really small little things that we can help our athletes see. Otherwise, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to understand why we're putting so much effort in things. <laughs> right. If we don't see those smaller steps. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's really it's, hard to get lost. Yeah. It's really easy yeah. to get lost. Like you said, I mean, you know, the, you have typically these really long runways they say, you know, Hey, I want to do this thing next year, or two years from now, or, you know, I want to yeah. do these, I want to do these series of things that build towards a five-year goal or something. And it can be really hard to, to compartmentalize that. Um, I think that's great. I love that. Like kind of almost like daily mantra, like, you know, what, what do I want to get out of the mm -hmm. session and, and you answer yeah. it and then check in at the end of it and see if those two things align. And that's a pretty straight line to like and, satisfaction. And volume. And going back to what we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, athletes that when uh, poked, they say, well, I'm not an athlete. Like, I don't know if I will call myself an athlete. Understand their expectations, you know. Well, are you trying to go to the Olympics, <laughs> you know? Right. Or do you just want to improve and see where you're going? And you might, you know. I'm not excluding anything. Everything is possible, right? But we can't start seeing ourselves as, you know, I 
I've never done this sport and now I want to do it and I don't see myself as an athlete because I fear that I'm not going to make it, right? Well, if your goal is, your expectation is like being like the pros uh, that you watch on TV, then yeah, maybe that's not going to happen tomorrow, right? But we can work daily uh, to see what it is that we're achieving on the daily basis and what it is that we want, like set expectations for every day and and that is going to start building into the um, athlete mentality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, another thing that I want to say, that I wanted to say is that um, the same that we can train our bodies, we can train our minds. And, you know, I, I actually think that is this is more important than that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> In sure. many ways, right? Um, and so like it's kind of silly to say or cheesy you know you just need to have a positive attitude because <laughs> it's not that easy right but but it kind of comes down a lot to that you know try like to see these positive outcomes to see these uh these uh uh small gains and achievements that we're going through and uh uh and, and that is gonna help us to see ourselves as athletes and also see ourselves as what what whatever you know it's like if you you know let's say that you want to go for a job you want to change career and you want to go for a new job well i'm sure that when you go to the to that interview you're going to prepare yourself you're going to go through what might happen what they might ask you because you want it right and uh, i'm sure you're going to go back and review the things that you need to know to do that job or um so the same and that's all mental right there's no physical training right. <laughs> it's all mental uh, exercise that we do to get there and the same thing happens to sport and i think that that's how you can really uh rein in the ego and uh and not let it go out so um you know one thing that the ego does is like oh i want to win or i want to beat that guy or i want to and, and then it kind of just like stuck there <laughs> i can't see anything else right yeah. and so um and so just practicing to see other things you know and this can happen both while you're practicing while you're racing uh while you're with the team or while you're with the coach uh but also when you're on your own if you're training on your own to just notice these aspects and then really sit down on the couch and go through images of these positive outcomes or these positive factors that maybe your ego is not letting you see and um, it's not easy <laughs> you can think of this kind of like meditation and meditation is not easy <laughs> at all yeah. right but it really helps us because it kind of reshapes our minds you know yeah have you done that <clears throat> yeah i mean I, I it's something i really struggle with you know that i have tried in the i mean i still try to to you know kind of a mat you know imagery and and visualization and to kind of put myself you know imagine the outcomes you want to have or imagine the the headspace you know i've thought of like when i when i used to race a lot you know i would try to imagine like the different scenarios that i that might happen during that race and then how i would respond to them so that if and when mm -hmm. they happened 
I, it, I wasn't surprised, right? I would, I would say, okay, if I get a flat tire, um, this is what I'm going to do, right? And I'm not going to let it derail me. If I, you know, if somebody passes me, uh, this is how I'm going to respond and this is how I'm going to breathe. And this, so yeah, it's, it's, it is, like you said, it's hard. It's, it's challenging because you, it's hard to imagine not the best outcome, right? Maybe that's like, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, like, like you said, that's the ego piece where we're like, well, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll crush it. Well, the odds of that happening are maybe right. not great. Even if you're super prepared, who knows? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know you've done a lot of work in the visualization space. Like how, how do we, how do, how can we use that to help us, you know, get at some of these ego pieces, your satisfaction. I mean, I think there's a lot that that can like ultimately uh, play into. So how's that worked for you? Or how do you, how do you use that visualization piece? Yeah, I guess that the first thing to think about is what it is that we're trying to achieve uh, with the visualization, you know, like with this imagery, you can, you know, if we're trying to, if we're training for a race and that's where we're going, then of course, as you said, going through the race uh, and uh, see the positive outcome. It doesn't mean that everything goes perfect, but uh, you know, you start thinking about it and then like I'm thinking, uh, cross-country skiing, you know, you're, oh, and then I know in the course there is that turn that is so bad. And then you start seeing yourself going straight instead of turning, right? Or getting off the tracks and then, you're, and then if you're good, you say, no, no, well, wait, oh, I saved it last minute. And then, <laughs> right. and then I kept going. <laughs> so that can happen. And how do I save it last minute? Well, get lower on your legs, move the feet, you know, like you see actual solutions. Um, and uh, feel the panic. <laughs> That's an important one to visualize because yeah. visualization and imagery is not one sense. It's not just seeing it, but you have to like feel it, feel it like, you know, in your breathing, uh, feel feel it on your skin. Like if I'm visualizing a, a triathlon, I start from the chilly water getting in the in the uh in the lake or in the ocean uh and then you see the breeze on your face when you're um when you're biking and then you feel yourself sweating (laughs) during the run because by then it's hot you know and and you want to really feel like the more senses you use the better it's gonna work um and uh and that's regardless of what it is that you're using it for so for the race is kind of straightforward like easy to imagine how that can work but you know we can use it just as um you know an interval oh i really don't like do intervals that uh a workout and like um i really don't like doing uh interval sessions i don't like level force at all well Okay, tonight, because tomorrow I have one, I imagine myself going through the interval session and uh, I feel my heart pumping and my throat burning and, you know, the cold on my face and my fingers are cold and I'm still pushing on the skis and then I hear my watch beeping and then now I can rest. (laughs) And then you imagine yourself going to the next interval and you are making it a little faster than the first one because that's what you set up to do, you know, and you really just want to feel it. And then you feel yourself stoked because you actually pulled it off and you did it and you feel tired and your core is shot, but you are, um, 
but you're feeling good because you did what you were set up to. And so uh, you hear the coach yelling at you or you hear your teammates uh, cheering you up, right? Like take everything into consideration, you know? Um, and um, so that's for sure uh, another good way, you know? And uh, like the other thing is if we feel like we are not ready for something, uh, which we always do, right? Or most times we always think that we're a little less prepared than what we really are. And so just having visualizations during a race, during an event or during a workout that you do feel strong throughout, you know, I'm running, I'm mile 12 and I'm still going good, you know, yeah. <laughs> because that really shapes our head and it kind of creates this like, um, this mental tape of whatever it is that we're seeing. And the more times we watch that movie, the more we have it. And so then when you get there and you're experiencing those things that you felt before at home when you were practicing imagery, well, your head already knows where to go. So at least it's easier that the negative thoughts don't creep in as, as fast, right? Or that you're going to be able to push them away. And negative thoughts is really like the main thing that gets us to stop or to uh, not like those level four intervals or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. fact that they're really hard, you know, that it. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I, I think we certainly, all of us, even no matter, you know, even the most confident athletes, we can, um, we could probably get into, um, you know, a little self-sabotage, you know, you, you, you can have yeah. this, if you, if you don't go through some of that mental mapping and some of that imagery, it, it, you can set up barriers for yourself, even, you know, unconscious, right? Like I've, I know that I've even yeah. done that where little things like, like I, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, if I have a hard workout plan and I maybe feel like I'm, maybe not in as good a shape as I'd like to be, or it's, it's just going to be a hard workout. And I'm, it made, you know, there's an opportunity for failure. I'll like, you know, I'll be, Oh, well, mm -hmm. I, I got a lot of work to do. So I, I'll probably just, I should probably just skip that workout today. Cause you know, like you start making these excuse, you know, and you'll do it like days in advance, you know, I know you can like build up to that. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah I, I, that's such a, that's such a powerful tool. Do we, I mean, do you use that visualization, I mean, it sounds like that's something that you you would use, like it, at any point, kind of at it, any time, right? Like you said, like for a workout, or yeah. I mean, I, maybe we think about this stuff maybe more more for like a race day scenario. But it sounds like you're using it for. I mean, we were talking about hard workouts, but you know, kind of any point where you feel like yeah. you could, there could be some pushback yeah, there. I'm, I'm sure. I don't think I'm the only one. And I think like, if you think about it as kind of broader in life, right, because we know that sports are good training uh, for life too, you know, a lot of the skills, we translate them. Uh, I'm sure that anyone that had to have a hard conversation with their partner or with, or with their boss or something that gives you anxiety, you kind of rehearse that conversation a few times in your head until you stress about it, until you pull out the uh, courage to go and have it. Right. And that's kind of the same thing really, uh, that, that I, uh, that I do. And I actually, um, I learned it with 
climbing and I think even sooner like um, horseback riding. Um, like I thought I really came out of climbing because climbing is really obvious, right? I'm preparing, I, I want to climb that pitch. It's hard and I just want to work it and I want to send it. And uh, so once you climb it a couple times, then you start knowing the moves, you start knowing where the holes and the feet, uh, you know, feet placement and what position you have to put yourself to hold that uh, better, etc., and uh, and to be more efficient. And so, like, if you really, really want to send that pitch, well, I will go to bed and I will just see myself like, you know, tying up my knot and then start climbing and like every single hold, like all the way to putting in the chain, you know. And you just do that enough times that really your body. You know, you get to the hard section, but your your head knows what to do, you know. And so right. you might still not have it put together with your strength, you know, but that's a step ahead. And eventually you're going to pull it off. So that one is easy. But thinking about it, I think I started even sooner horseback riding. And that comes from a different perspective, because every time you fall from a horse, then you have like fear of getting back on it for a little for a few days and so i will just see myself doing these things that my horse didn't want to do like i had a horse that was really scared of bridges and so i will just see myself being at the beginning of the bridge and like trying to coax him to go and do that and and then he doesn't want to go and then he gets scared and then he tries to throw me off but i hold on, on it and i don't fall and now we're going and i calm it down enough and and the old deal with horses is that you have to be calm. Whatever it is that you're doing, and even if you know that they're going to be scared, if you are calm, then the horse stays calm. And so um, visualizing going through these uh, situations really takes anxiety away because you see all the possibilities, all things that can, can go wrong, and you kind of find solutions for them. And so going back again to our, uh, you know, athlete that doesn't see themselves as an athlete, um, a lot of that is because of anxiety, right? It's like, well, am I going to be able to do that? Like, do I have it, you know? And, and that comes from anxiety and stress and the unknown. Well, I don't know. Like, if I get injured and I can run, then what do I do? Well, wait a minute. Okay, you can't run, but we can work on that core so that when your ankle is back in shape, right. man, we're gonna be ready to go. You know, like yeah. so um, you just take anxieties away from things. You know, and injury is another example. You know, like I broke an arm a couple of years ago, well, last year, and uh, you know that impacted my uh, training, but I made the most out of it. And yes, an arm is not a leg, but <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to do. Things. Yeah. <laughs> like I will ski with one pole. But um but still like just seeing yourself solving problems takes stress away. So you you know, I was in the hospital uh with my arm and I needed surgery and I I was stressing out, like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? You know, I'm not going to be able to do this and that. But then okay. Well, think about it. What am I going to do next week? They said that they're not going to put me in a cast. So maybe I can jog because an arm, you don't need that, you know. And then, well, I can do core. Nothing impedes me to do core. And I know that I need to work on that. So, yeah, I can do that. And then, you know, and, and all seeing these things happening in your head is like, okay, 
I can do this, you know. Yeah. I'm fine. I have to do it regardless, but <laughs> I know that I can too, you know. Right. So it really translates to a lot of aspects, not just the athletic life, but for sure, for sure it applies to any sports. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean I you're right. I mean one of my like one of my you know kind of biggest passions is this idea that that the you know being an athlete helps you reach your goals in other areas of your life. And so I mean, it's exactly what you're saying. Like these skill sets help you navigate just things that we run into in life, right? Whether it's a broken arm or, you know, an injury related to sport or whether it's a job interview or, or whatever, it's these coping you know, these skills and these coping mechanisms and these, you know, tools that we use to bolster our confidence. Um, and I, yeah, I love that. Just, I think that's such a valuable skill. I, I, I want to, I want to be better at the visualization piece. That's something that I definitely want to want to tap into. But um, yeah, I think that's awesome, and that's uh, I think that's a great uh, a great place to leave uh, leave our listeners um, with some uh, some stuff to work on to get out there and start uh, start visualizing yeah, their, uh, their success. So yeah, thanks so much, Anna. I appreciate uh, yeah. having you, and uh, thanks for thanks for all your all your valuable insight.